0: Listening to the brand new episode of "In Love with the Process." I am your host, Mike Petrie. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm fucking late <sighs> today. Today's episode release, and that's because your boy has been so fucking busy the past week. I have been deep in production on my new uh, short film. Did a new short film, and yes, it is a short horror film. Yes, I am returning to short horror, um, and uh, yes, it looks and feels and is fucking cool. Uh, it's a really great piece. Those of you who have seen my prior work, if you've seen 12KM, if you've seen who's there, this fits right into the universe that I've created, so... I'm pumped, I'm excited, Uh, I have a guest, returning guest here in the studio, and um, I don't know if the noise cancelling will kill it or not, but I also have fucking construction today, so (laughs) all the way around, it's going to be great. Uh, Joining me is my buddy, Ian Spencer. What's up, buddy?
1: You know, just... Happy to be here. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I never. I
1: never know what to say. I was like, I was going to say "hello, governor. but then you asked me a question, so
0: very anticlimactic. Yeah, climatic
1: I'm here. I'm not. A, I'm not a climatized person. <laughs>
0: um. So, Ian uh, just helped me uh, put together and produce this short over the past week. Uh, so we got a lot to talk about. We'll start to address that. We'll talk about. A lot of the pitfalls, a lot of the interesting things that we've done on an indie level. So, those of you who want to make your own short film, maybe you'll learn something today. And for those of you who have made a short film, uh, you can cry on our shoulders as well as we talk about uh,
1: all no, this shit. No crying in film producing.
0: <laughs> There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> Um, so let's see, before we get into it, thank you everybody for following me at Mike Petri and following the podcast at In Love With The Process pod. Um, there, I think I'll be posting some images coming up. I'm I'm holding off for a little bit, but there'll be some stuff that goes up. I'll talk about the crew. We'll talk about the gear. We'll talk about everything that uh, we did over the past week. Um, and as we push into this week, I'm going back on to post-production on Gina's project. So uh, all those will be getting release dates soon and everything happening on that as well. So deep going into the holidays with a whole fuckload of post-production work that needs to get done. Oh my God. So I'm preparing. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm preparing myself <laughs> for it. We're very gassy. Very gassy. The show is late this morning. Because I have a bunch of episodes recorded and all the post is not done on them. And I woke up this morning and guessed, I did a guest spot on another podcast. Um, let me give them a shout out. Let me, let me try to search and talk at the same time. Um, and uh, they were like, hey, will you come on the show at about 1030? And I said, yeah, sure. I can get some stuff done before that. Um, I had bags of fake snow which i'll explain why we have that and i have bags and bags of fucking fake snow snow that i can't fit into my trash can so i was like well there's a landfill around here i'll head out to the landfill and get rid of this shit and get back in time to do this podcast um and it's the film the film toppings podcast right is that what you guys are yeah film fanatics pod so it's film fanatics pod film toppings is his instagram account and so I get in the car, st- go to start up my car this morning, and it's junk, 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 junk. And I'm like, Ugh. Nothing, nothing can go right. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, it's probably just a battery. So I start it again, chunk, chunk, wrong. It starts up. I go, cool. I'm going to make a beeline right down to the automotive store down the street. I'll go in there. For, for those of you who don't know, if you ever have a battery problem like that, if you go to like, I'm not going to plug the store names, but if you go to an automotive store, they will do tests for free. They will test your battery for free. They will test your alternator for free. Don't give me this look. What's this look you're giving me? Nothing is free. <laughs> Nothing is fucking <laughs> free. Yeah,
1: except, except my center console. Uh, what did I have to give I, him a kiss got, Or something?
0: Uh, no, I went there. I, I don't have to do anything. For anything for it was fucking free. Like
1: a $3,000 repair. <laughs> so,
0: I, so I go there. I say to the guy, Hey man, I think it's my battery. Can we do a test? So he's like, all right, comes out, really nice dude, hooks it all up. And he's like, well, there isn't enough charge to actually turn on the tester. And I said, well, yeah, I think the battery's shit. And he goes, I don't know, it could be your alternator. So at that point, I'm like, <clears throat> and I've worked on cars. That's where I started. So I know the hole that it can create. You start going down one path, you break a bolt. Next thing you know, everything else falls apart. and It costs you a lot of money. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to take this to my mechanic. I have a great guy out here in Glendale. And I'm like, fuck it, I'll just drive the car over and then get a lift back and be able to get back for the podcast. So I drive over to my mechanic, and my mechanic's like, I think it's your battery, dude. I can just change your battery out pretty quick. And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah, I can change it real fucking quick. Which, in mechanic terms, means... 45 minutes like real quick doesn't mean 10 minutes real quick means batteries like batteries are fast yeah I know yeah, batteries just, are fast you literally just
1: unplug them and then stick it back in
0: but when you have a mechanic doing it not not so fast because it's like you get one lead unconnected and he's like oh my coffee's like empty so when he walks away <laughs> pulls up his coffee cup and his comes back coffee. yeah and then he starts to go again and then a customer shows up and he's got to go deal with a customer and so I'm just texting these poor guys at the show going like I haven't even showered yet. I'm like, guys, uh, you're gonna have to wait another 45 minutes. And so, for the purposes of not plugging this
1: place, is it Schmal's Schmato?
0: <laughs> no, it's uh, J and E. Okay, uh, it's not the full name of the spot because, but they're really nice for sure. But they're really great guys. Um, and so, and dude, like I said, I did car work. I know the vibe. It's fine. It You've done car me. and plane work. You've yes. worked on a lot of different, yeah, a lot
1: <laughs> of different things. things that transportate.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the airplanes. And I also want to be specific. I was never a certified, either certified car mechanic or an airplane mechanic. We when I was that. doing airplane work, I was assisting so I would go in and basically clean parts. I don't want anybody like going like fact checking and be like, you never had a certificate. Fuck you. I would just clean parts. Let the record show he had no certification. There you go. So, um, but I learned a lot and it was fun. We worked on all the airplanes that uh, fly the tours around the Grand Canyon. And uh, guess who's never taking a tour around the Grand Canyon on a fucking airplane? You? Yeah, you? Yeah. because You're I saying you've never
1: done it or you will never will do never it? Will never do it after working on those planes.
0: <laughs> will never do it
1: so if you're looking to go around the grand canyon don't. definitely don't de- do <laughs> <laughs> de- well
0: because you know how planes all right i'm going well quick off the topic track. here. quick side track so if you go get your car worked on let's say you get new lug nuts put on your tires mm. you get down there they put the lug nuts on technically they're supposed to be torqued there's a specific torque that's supposed to happen and then you're good to go Mm -hmm. worst case scenario you're driving which has happened to me you're driving your lug nuts screw off and your tire rolls off on you i've had that happen oh my god worst case scenario then you know you just sort of i had to oversteer try to fix my vehicle got off to the end of the road didn't flip my car made it out great to go imagine if you're flying an airplane and the bolts that they're putting on the wings loosen up and fall off the airplane plummets from the sky sure so The protocol for airplane mechanic work is a hell of a lot different. Every bolt that every rivet that is running on that plane has a barcode. Wow. That was a deep. (laughs) So every piece has a barcode on it and every piece only has a specific amount of hours in the air that it's allowed to do. Damn. Yep. And then each bolt on major aircrafts have two holes in it. And so, when you tighten the bolts, you torque the bolts, there is a list with all the serial numbers that dates when you did it. I was going to say,
1: like, how do they identify?
0: Yep. And then what you do is you take safety wire. So, after you torque them, you run the safety wire through the top of the one bolt to the next bolt, and then safety wire that. So, they will never loosen because of all the stuff that's happened. So, Mm -hmm. there's this insane protocol. And uh, we used to work on bleed valves, which is exhaust bleed valves that come off the turbines. And there's a lot of uh, rubber cushion or not r- rubber seals mm-hmm. that are on those. And so some companies want to play it cheaper than other companies. And so you, there are moments where they're like, yeah, we know that there's like, you know, 3,600 hours or wh- whatever the number was on the seal. We could probably go another you know what I mean? So it's that kind of vibe consistently
1: that you would see and, and what's it, cutting a few corners when the know. lives of two hundred passengers and, and it's everyone not,
0: underneath. The, but these aren't big planes, these are the like oh, little like pipers. Puddle jumpers. Yeah, like that kind of shit. Yeah. Which are basically canoes for the air. I
1: love those planes. I feel so unsafe in them. Anytime I ever take a puddle jumper and I'm like like I get off a real aircraft and then I go to the puddle jumper or something, and it's it's so I don't know if it's because of the the mass of the pl- like the normal planes even when you have turbulence like yeah. you still feel like you're in a large a large aircraft but something about the smaller planes anytime you hit any sort of Dude. turbulence like it, it feels like you're in something smaller something that's so much more unstable canoe. Yeah, yeah exactly it's canoes it's for the air yeah
0: because yeah. it's usually fiberglass or sheet metal it's very thin yeah i love that i, yeah. would, I, yeah. Yeah, I love great. the uncertainty it's of that great. peril yeah. I, I mean it, flying doesn't scare me it's just you sort of hit a point it's like if you work in kitchens and you understand what actually happens in the back of kitchens, you might think twice about ordering shit out of that fryer later. You know what I mean? Every
1: time I fly I, I think about my like my game plan. If the plane were to go down, like how I would try <laughs> to survive, like do I <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it's just like i think it's good to have a plan and i don't don't know if it makes me feel any more comfortable but i definitely probably won't survive but i might
0: this feels like the beginning of a liam nielsen movie is this the gray
1: i don't know or it's like the langoliers or something (laughs) like
0: that (laughs) that's a good reference uh so anyway Mm -hmm. i understand mechanics i understand the the process so when i went there and he was like so it's only going to take a couple minutes i'm like this is gonna be 45 minutes this will be a 45 minute So, I was supposed to be back here prepping and, and doing the prep on today's episode, but I missed it because I had to h- hurry back. I just did their podcast, which I think will be coming out next week, but we did a show on the top, our top five stop-motion animation movies. Oof. Yeah. That's,
1: that's cool. I, I'm... I, I, you don't have to say now because you should just watch that episode. But I am interested to know what those were.
0: Well, I mean, we could talk a little what bit. What was your it? number one?
1: What was I, I just want
0: to know your number one. My number one? Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I could talk about this on the air. Okay. You, you can go listen to the other ones okay. when you listen to it. So I did the prep for the show. And it, my prep essentially was like, let me just Google search what the top lists are so I could see what the top lists are. So, I did a Google search, and every fucking list is the same. Really? They're generally the same. So, it's like slightly slightly reorganized, but it's like Nightmare Before Nightmare Fucking Christmas, Christmas yep. uh, Coraline. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, like all these- Just li-
1: the Timber, like Corpse Bride, like the, like the classic the classic. All the
0: classic stuff. And then you start to get into like Wes, uh, uh, Wes Anderson stuff, which is great, like uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. That's like his own- he I don't also, want to say his only movie that I like, but it's. He also did the dog one, The Isle of Dogs. The Isle, which of, dog, is great. Isle of Dogs was good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but these are all the fucking lists, yeah. right? And so I sort of had this old guy moment as I was looking at these lists, just going like, these are just regurgitated fucking social media clicks. I like, Never Before Christmas is a great movie. Yeah, but, like, but you're not. The other ones, eh. you're not getting good stuff on the fucking lists. They're no, good that's true. movies, but they're all modern movies. Mm-hmm. And so I broke the rules a couple times. On, on the show.
1: Good. We hate the rules. You know,
0: and so I said to them, even though it's not a full stop animation movie, I'll give away a couple. Even the, though it's not a full stop animation tool, movie. Tool
1: sober. Yeah. 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 So I was going to say, my favorite is definitely Brothers Quay.
0: Oh uh, yeah. That's fucking, my top one. I
1: love the Brothers that's Quay. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Man,
0: top one. They're Brothers the shit. Quay. They're the shit. Or yeah. He, yeah. Street of crocodiles. hmm. hmm. A lot of people don't know. Okay. So Brothers Quay. I think the only place you can find them now i think criterions release their stuff and i'm not sure if it's on the criterion channel but i know that you can get blu-rays of it mm-hmm. for those of you listening there's a lot of you that have come over from my heavy metal music videos you have seen the tool sober video so good so good um what's his name i wrote his name down the guy who directed that hold on uh stand by
1: while you're while you're searching for that i i just watched an amazing stop at animation movie that was mixed with with yeah. live action the mad god movie yeah i haven't seen that yet it's fucking insane yeah. like i watched i like i was i was in and out of consciousness not not falling asleep but like i was it was so late and i was a little faded but uh the movie itself was just so bizarre and yeah. and he spent like yeah. 30 years making it that's phil Tippett. Yeah. yeah 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 yeah, and it was it was it was a trip yeah. i've never seen anything like it and it was only you know i mean it's it takes so much to make it that it's only like an hour and 20 hour and 30 minutes long so it's not long it felt like forever yeah it felt like i was it felt like two or three hours and not in the bad way where you're like, this movie is never going to end. Um, it was, it was insane to the point where you're, you're trying to deduce what was stop animation and then what was live action. So like, yeah. you have like the main kind of like creepy, uh, like not steampunk, but like exterminator dark kind of character who, who goes through and then they'll do these cuts to like uh, point of view uh, frames where it's definitely a person in the, in an outfit that mm-hmm. was constructed, but it was so disorienting. Hmm. I, I don't know. I, I I can't even describe it because a lot of it I don't. It, it's very like I don't want to say World War Two, but it's it's a period piece set in like a during slash post war uh mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. very kind of like nazi experimentation slash cold war mm-hmm. almost uh it was beautiful though it was really really beautiful it's mo it's like almost no dialogue yeah um like i think any of the dialogue was was secondary but but yeah i would i would recommend watching it it's on the shutter network. Um, yeah. shutter network if you yeah. want i and i just got like the seven-day trial to watch it,
0: but I would I would do that. Yeah, I'm pumped. It was in theaters, and I almost went. Phil Tippett, for those of you who don't know, he's uh, an amazing animator that's been around for years. Uh, I'm giving away the whole list. He was actually my number four on the list because I considered Jurassic Park a stop-motion animation. Oh my movie. god! He d- wait, he did the, the he did the di- he did the he did all the Yo, dinosaurs. That okay? That makes sense. So he, for those of you who don't know. This has been all over the place. So I feel like I'm kind of regurgitating uh, stuff. But uh, originally Jurassic Park was supposed to be stop motion. Mm, And so they hired Phil Tippett to come in. There's a bunch of really cool footage online of it. He came in and actually animated the raptor sequence. So all the raptors that were coming in the kitchen after the kids. And he animated the the T-Rex sequence. And he got it so well done, so perfectly done, that Spielberg was like, this is the way to go. There's a great doc on this. Um, on disney plus on ilm and they go really deep Hmm. into it uh well what was also happening the the guys in the very early stage of the computer animation department were after hours sort of testing out this 3d animation shit and they brought kathleen kennedy and spielberg in and they were like oh my god this is amazing now this is after Tippett had done all the work and all the prep for it (laughs) and so they came in and Tippett was like fuck like, he, he actually comes out and says, like, I thought my I was fired and my life was over. Yeah. and Thank God
1: he wasn't. Well, we what
0: happened was is that just because the guys could create this didn't mean that they knew how to animate this. Mm-hmm. And Spielberg was kind of genius about it, where they said, how about we build this little wire uh, maquette so that Tippett can animate all of the dinosaurs and get the motion capture for the dinosaurs. So, all the 3D animation was hand animated by Tippett. So if you watch the stop motion stuff, it's all the same. And the thing that's fascinating about stop motion is that it's all performance from that animator. Mm-hmm. It's the obsession that these people have with how like wind blows through hair, with how creatures shake slightly, and and adding sort of like emotional cues or identifiable um, character traits to the movement of these creatures. So all the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park—that's Stan Winston—but mostly. Phil Tippett so Stan Winston did all the big practical T-Rex heads and all that shit I mean that's why that movie is so
1: it's better iconic it's it's so it's so much better like I mean again I I hate not like shitting but like critiquing people's like new work because no matter what you do like so much work went into it Mm -hmm. all around the board but the new movies just they they lack this like magic. Yep. The, like they lack this magic that was in the first and and second movie, I would say. I know the first, yeah. first one's better, but like um that first movie, I mean, that came out in like what, 96, 97? Something like that. Something like that. I was 5, 6 years old. That's a movie that no matter for the most part what age you were, you saw
0: it. Yeah. And and you're like are is still alive? Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, no one was in on the tricks or the effects. I mean, it was post-Jurassic Park where I kind of felt like they bragged about how they did it too much. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a magician coming out and going like, I did such a good job. Let me show you where I put the fucking rabbit. And so then that kind of changed how people watch movies and process. They, I mean, that like that was
1: the first... I feel, like, I feel like the first movie. The movie that I'm thinking of right now uh, is like a shitty sci-fi channel back when the sci-fi channel was scifi instead of syfi <laughs> yes. uh and there was a movie that i saw when i was like six or seven or eight or something like that after jurassic park uh that also used puppet uh dinosaurs and it was called carnosaur oh i know carnosaur and that movie is so carnosaur. trash but i love it there's a scene at the very end that has stuck with me my whole life and they're in this this elevator going up or down or something it's the very like last 20 minutes of the movie and this person like the the dinosaur's head comes in and it rips off someone's arm and you <laughs> see it and i'm like seven or eight years old i'm like holy like what uh and and i've and i remember re-watching it after that and be like this movie sucks. Yeah, it's but, terrible. It's this movie terrible.
0: sucks. <laughs> but <laughs> I just remember the poster for it. It was like a dinosaur, like low backlit by like by like neon lights or something. And it. they probably
1: only had like two or three, like yeah. two or three actual puppets that yeah. they were switching off between. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I mean Jurassic Park is magical because Spielberg is a is a magical dude. He really is. I will never get tired of that movie. Um. So where were we? So, so Jurassic Park was on my list. Oh, we talked about tools. So if you. Haven't seen it, go back, a lot of young listeners, go search right now on YouTube, Tool Sober, S-O-B-E-R. That video was epic, and it was life-changing for a lot of folks. It was consistently on, on rotation on MTV. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just Headbangers Ball. It was on yeah. MTV, like, like super main famous. cycle. Yeah. Tool is known for doing a few really great uh, stop-motion animated videos. And I remember when I saw that, they're super creepy. And I was like, fuck, this, this is crazy. Um, but then I found, I forget how I found them. I think it was at a film festival or something, Brothers Quay. Mm-hmm. They're twin brothers. Yep. They're, they're not long since dead, I think, at this point. But twin brothers that did these super creepy, like, doll head... Animation like weird, strange doll heads that would move in strange ways, and they were the first ones to do like screws unscrewing from. Floor I, I was going to say,
1: is is sober or is the the crocodile? Is that the, the one where the scr- and they're like yeah. r- and the and the screws are like rolling out and stuff? Yes. And yeah, yes. right, that,
0: yeah, yeah. So sober was obviously influenced by it. the director, which I was looking up um, was for tool sober Fred Sturr He died in he a car accident very young. But he IP. did a bunch of really great metal video, animated video pieces from the 90s. I think he did something for Sepultura. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of different uh, bands back then. Um, so, yeah, anyway. Yep. that's where I got distracted this morning. I was doing the podcast, we were talking about all that stuff. Uh, definitely check it out. It sounds really good when you move your mic stand. I know, I know. I keep, I keep. I'm like, I see how close yours is to your
1: face, and and then I, I like, I'm like, should I be closer? I, don't know. You, I can hear you. Okay, you I can. Hear, tell okay, all right, all right. I would all tell
0: right, you. All right, all right. Um, so yeah, anyway, we're sitting here. As I said in the beginning of the show, we just spent. Uh, Two intense days shooting this new short. Um, And I was very excited about it. This is a piece that uh, I worked with Lance Williams on, actor Lance Williams. Uh, He's been on the show a lot. You guys like him. He's one of the top five episodes of our show, believe it or not. He's very personable. Very personable. Uh, He was supposed to be on today, but then he got busy. Um, So... uh, So, we worked uh, together for the first time. He's been in some of my other short films. He's always... He was in 12KM. He played the demon hands that come around our main character and pull him Lance was off. in 12KM? Yes. Oh. So, this, So, Ara, who plays the lead, who gets taken by the shadows, there are two sets of hands that come out from behind mm-hmm. him. One was my brother, who has been in most of my stuff. And... <laughs> One was my brother, and one set of hands was Lance, and my brother and Lance had to have like this really sort of black, oily, viscous makeup put on their arms, and then I put them in like these, I think we had them in like black leotards, (laughs) we had them in these tight black leotards, and then Ara, the main, was naked, except for a codpiece, he had a codpiece, because so my brother to this day <laughs> still gives me shit where he's like, I spent like five hours with my head in his ass. <laughs> <The whole time. laughs> I'm sure a new experience. Oh, I love it. So Lance did that, and then Lance was in my piece, Moped Nights,
1: which you've never seen. I have not seen that. No, uh, it that's... was
0: a fun uh, me and Tony Fernandez, he Tony wrote it. Okay. And uh, it was this fun sort of exploitation piece about uh, this moped gang that was run down, and they came back to the dead. So it's kind of like the Wraith. Something about a moped gang is yeah.
1: so comical to me. Yeah, it
0: was funny. So they came back. It's like the Wraith. You ever see the Wraith with uh, Charlie Sheen from the 90s? I'm sure at some point. Yeah, so it was like that. It was fun. It was really short. And we did this piece, and Lance played the the head, the lead moped gang guy who had this epic jacket on, but the whole time I had a motorcycle helmet on him. So the whole time you don't know it's Lance. So this is
1: this is Lance's like really first like face. His yes. like his face. This is a, this his huge fa- joke. His face moment for this is the huge In joke. your, in yeah, your, in your
0: we've known each other for like ten years or something, and he's always like he's either he's either behind the camera like peeing or yeah. doing work, uh, or he's <laughs> he's in who's there as well. He's like over the shoulder of our lead character as he opens the door into the pink mist. And uh, the woman takes him. Well, my lead. Oh, Gene. Yeah, Gene. Gene couldn't be there specifically for this one shot, so I was like, "Lance, come here. I need your shoulder." (laughs) Wait. That. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So I needed his shoulder. That's
1: funny. I know exactly the the part you're talking about.
0: (laughs) Which the funny part is, is that he was a stand-in for for that actor, and then when we're doing this piece on day two he couldn't be here early enough yeah so i had a stand in for him yeah sweet sweet fern fern did all the, the hand work and so lad showed up and i go you've made it and he goes what do you mean i go oh, we've had you've you've now had a fucking stand yeah. in for you to do this work and he's like i made it I go,
1: you fucking asshole i know that's what I, that's what i realized like as soon as soon as we needed someone else to do like hand shots and stuff like that i'm yeah. like i'm like this is this is real. This is like like full pr- production stuff. When like the actor can't be there yeah. or doesn't want to be, <laughs> yeah. like it's like, do well, I no, really need to be, be here? For this?
0: Yeah, he he couldn't be here. Wasn't no, no, he no,
1: right, no 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 no. Yeah yeah of course. But, I gotta like, be clear about that. But yeah, he was he was engaged.
0: So, um, this was a piece that that I was talking about for a little while about doing. I wanted to revisit sort of like because it's been so long since I've directed, but through COVID and everything else and there's been a lot of pitching and a lot of pushing and that's that entire process is incredibly depressing and so because of you the listeners of this show supporting us and supporting Uh, the podcast and telling your friends I've been able to get sponsors on this show Mm -hmm. and you guys have heard me talk about the sponsors we'll do ad reads in the center of the show and we'll talk about the gear we used on the shoot but because of the sponsorships that we have I was able to get some beautiful film equipment high end film equipment to make something look amazing for very little money for me which was very nice so it kept the risk level down on doing the short film and made it just fun all the way around to do and make Um, and, uh, so I crafted this this very small idea. It's going to be a short little piece, like a three minute piece, but I really wanted to sort of test the waters again on some of these new ideas and a lot of the shit that I've learned through doing the podcast, like while we're shooting and prepping Judith Weston, who's been on the show, all her advice was running through my head on how to prep my actors and how to do my director's homework, which Mm -hmm. I did. And it came very much in handy. Um, so if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to that episode. But then also talking to all the cinematographers that I've had on the show um, and a lot of their tricks and techniques I used because I directed and shot this piece. It's been a while since I've done both. Um, and wrote. And wrote. And wrote. And the whole thing Yeah, it's true, all of it. <laughs> so uh, that was fun. And then it was just a lot of fun to put together a very tight knit small crew i'm going to brag about my crew right now and everybody that works on my crew because we surround ourselves with people that are multifunctional and the thing that i really love about them especially our buddy mike tran voltran if you guys Mm -hmm. know uh he's incredibly talented with audio and that's kind of how he came in the game he did the sound mixing and the composing for 12 km he recorded the audio on set. First time, I think, worked with him on the Punisher movie that no one's been able to see. It's um, a tragedy. And then I just worked with him on Gina's shoot. And because I know he knows how to pivot really well and knows how to immerse himself in the tech really well, he came on as my assistant camera. And the two days that we did the heavy-duty shoot on her thing, which mm-hmm. you also worked on mm-hmm. and produced that, mm-hmm. Um he was so good at the camera department stuff. So I was like, dude, you need to come on and do this with us. And, uh, that this goes all the way around. Like Josh, who came on, I've worked with Josh on other pieces. He's just a PA and I asked him this time around, I said, what do you want to do? And he goes, I really want to be in camera department. I go, how about lighting? <laughs> so so he, ended up, he ended up learning quickly. He had done some prior work to it, but he ended up coming on and becoming a gaffer with this. He was lighting, he was a fact, like he, he was running the snow machine. Yeah, like, all sorts yeah. of stuff. Yeah, so our team has been very great. Uh, and um, what I love about the people that I end up working with is that they have the ability to learn quickly and pivot, and understand the stresses of it. Um, Initially, this shoot was planned to be a one-day shoot. And whenever I... I've come to realize this about myself as a filmmaker. I'm not the guy you call to do a three-shot scene that is talky-talky dialogue. No. no. Like, I'm not the guy... Like, if you want someone to come in and, and, and direct... How do I say this without ruining my career? If if you want the guy to come in and direct the new episode of Law & Order, I'm not the guy to do that. You know what I mean? Like, that's not my thing. I need to have coverage that is smart, that is motivated. I need to have exciting uh, lighting, exciting camera angles. This is all part of what my style is. And so that requires time. And horror movies require a fuckload of time because you have to get all these little inserts, all these little moments in order to build suspense in the edit. It's monotonous. And when you're shooting it, it's a lot to do. And the new variable for me on this shoot uh, was we were going to use, because of my fetish of Kurosawa, my Kurosawa fetish. And my love of atmosphere and what atmosphere means emotionally in scenes, I had never worked with snow before. And so we're here in Glendale, we're here in California. Uh, I had to bring in a snow machine, and uh, where do we get it from? It was like
1: special effects unlimited.
0: Yeah, great, great place. These guys have everything. And uh, we found this uh, snow machine unit that runs off of foam. <clears throat> I mean, so I, I didn't. I mean, I didn't do
1: research on the actual thing that you had, you mm-hmm. had rented. Mm-hmm. And it, in my mind, in my mind, this thing was going to make real snow. <laughs> like I, and like I was envisioning like at a ski mountain when they have the snow blowers and stuff, cause that is real snow. Yeah. So I thought it was just on a smaller scale that isn't. And, and I guess in, in a sense that would make no sense because you have to have like both water and yes. other, other things. Anyways. It ended up being foam, yeah, like soap, yeah, like yeah. soap. It, it was unexpected and
0: it was wild because we had the combination of the the snow machine and then Jean, one of Gina's friends did an Instagram post and she's like, "I've got bags of fake snow. Does anybody mm-hmm. need any fake snow?" And I was like, "Yeah, give me a bag." And she gave us like two massive fucking bags of more this, than we needed, more than we needed, and I think that was plastic, right? Uh, or
1: pa- or pa- yeah, plastic paper or something, something, something like that. It was like it was like fake snow that you imagine is fake snow when they use it in a movie and they like put it into a machine that just kind of like blows it around or yes. like drops it down. It's not supposed to imitate the lightness. And the, 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 the flurriness. flowing flurriness of snow. That's
0: why I went with the foam machine, because when it's on low, that stuff stays in the air a lot longer. You get sort of like that flurry sort of vibe. But it's really mostly for the like
1: the, the aesthetic of it coming down in the air, yes. as opposed to the accumulation, exactly. which is something we figured
0: out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there was a shot where we're shooting upward and and... Uh, I didn't realize that the snow was collecting on sort of the lattice that was outside and and it looked like, it looked like the end of Ghostbusters where the, uh, (laughs) the marshmallow exploded. It's just hanging and blowing everywhere. I wonder if that itself was just, it could have been been something similar. Yeah. Um, It's a lot of fun. It it was, uh, it looks really great on screen. It does really cool things, but we had a lot of learning to do and there was a a lot of it got slowed down based upon the snow machine and the issues that we were dealing with the snow machine. Mm -hmm. And here's something that doesn't matter how much experience you have as a director um, or even how much homework you do, you sort of hit a point where panic sets in because you look down at time. Time to me is the enemy. It always is anytime we're doing any of these things, it's the fucking enemy because I never have enough time. Second, if, if time has a, a an angry brother, it's, it's money. So it's money and time. Those are the two things that are constantly fucking you when you're shooting something. And so we got a few hours in and I realized instantly that there was no way in hell that I was going to be able to do this in one night. Yeah. There's no fucking way in hell. Um, and the, my head as a producer, my head started to run through all the math and I was like, well, luckily I'm doing this shoot over a weekend, which means that all the gear that I'm getting is a weekend, two day rental for one day. So Sunday I didn't have to pay for gear. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, so I don't have to double down on cash for any of that stuff. Okay. Um, and we had to do overnights because the scene takes place at night Um, And we had an open door and we have snow and all that kind of stuff. Um, And so now I have a crew that has started at, what, like five or six at night. Yeah, roughly. And we're about, on a Saturday, we're about to do a till five in the morning shoot. And I have to walk around and ask all these people (laughs) if they'll do the same thing on Sunday. Um, and luckily, the, the group of people I have are diehards, and these people really support me and love me, uh, and they were able to go into it. But, you know, you also have to pivot for certain people's schedules, and it was a pivot, right?
1: I mean, also, like, after Saturday, we realized that it just, we needed we needed more help. Like, we, that was the other thing. We needed more help, and we didn't, you know, we didn't have to, like, bring in a bigger, much bigger crew, but, like, we asked... I think two extra people for Sunday that that were really esen- essential. It was it was Fernando Ponce and uh, or Ponce and uh, 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 Travis. What's Travis? I I will look it up. Yeah. Um, but they their their assistants and they're they're coming in at that time. Like I texted Fern at like three p.m. Yeah. To come in at six. Yeah. And he was and he was down. He was there and he stayed till four or five and and you know he was the the stand-in that we had initially like for at first i was like we just need an extra set of hands on set you know for whatever for whatever we need <laughs> yeah. and it, what's funny is that he literally ended up being the boom-up uh, yeah, like a, well, a i was gonna record. say a set
0: of hands yeah he, <laughs> was the, he was a set of hands and then we were losing our sound recordist halfway through the night because he had to go to work at 6 a.m yeah so then he jumped on fern jumped on to become the sound record yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, so if you ever get a last it. minute call from me, you, you never know what you're going to fucking end up doing. And then Travis, who came on, um, I I guess I had briefly met him at a party. Travis Prow. Yeah, he's great. I had briefly met him at a party. Super nice. So what? Uh, let me rewind a little bit. There hit a point where I realized that I was going to have to shoot this. Hold on. This is Josh calling me. Get out of here, dude. That's Josh. Josh. Yeah. sweet sweet baby josh um so there there hit this point where i realized that i had to shoot this at the same time and i was into it i'm like all right i'll, I'll shoot this and initially i was just gonna do uh camera on sticks for everything mm-hmm. as a dire- here's another director's thing you start to have this this nagging intuition where you go i really need camera movement Camera movement is a big por- p- portion of how I, my language for cinema, but it's also the language for horror. So I need camera movement. But then I was looking at the space that we're shooting in. It's very small, very small contained little garage that we're shooting in for this space. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't get a dolly in there. And, and if I get a dolly in there, that means I have to have more grips and I have to have people that can do that. Mm-hmm maybe I can get a slider in there. And so I was doing the research on sliders and I'm like, man, the slider is going to be so fucking tight. I'm just going to stick with tripod and camera and I'm just going to make this work. A couple days went by. It's just nagging and it's nagging me. And so when I was going to head into rent my stuff, which I got from Boca, by the way, Boca lens rentals or Boca rentals rather. Yeah. And we'll talk about them at the ad read. Um, I was like, Ugh. and so I did some research. I found this really great slider And uh, it actually comes on... uh, a—it's You know, most tripods are just three legs. This came on like a four-leg spread so that I could actually hold the weight. Because the camera that we were using was a little bit heavier. Uh, And I'm like, I don't know if this is going to fit, but I'm going to fucking do it. So I got it. I had never used it before. Now, if you're talking about setting up uh, a shoot and you are getting camera gear, it's essential, it's imperative that you get whoever your assistant camera person is on the checkout day. Because then you go check out the gear. As a cinematographer, I want to be there. I go, I check out the gear, check out the lenses for the first time. We assemble it, we put it together, we try to make it work. Now, both Mike and I had never used this slider before. So we had to learn how to use the slider the day before the shoot. I also had to learn how to use the specific head that we were using for it. So there were a lot of different fucking variables. And I put in about, I'd say, 30 minutes on it before I started to shoot. So now, on the day of the shoot, where I'm I'm DP and operating, I'm also trying to figure out a whole new set of variables here because you're not just tilting and panning a head. Mm -hmm. You can also pan the slider and pan the head and Mm -hmm. then go through that entire process. So it took me, I'd say, about an hour and a half to sort of really wrap my head around the movements of it, which essentially were distracting me from my directorial duties. A lot of stuff is distracting you from directorial <laughs> yes, duties. There was a lot of things. So, when uh, uh, Brett, who are, Brett McCabe, who's been on the show, he came on to do sound work. He suggested that his friend Travis comes on, and he goes, he's a great, uh, operator, He's a great dude. He's so good. Um, and I didn't even get a chance to look at his work. When he showed up, I didn't even think twice about it. I was like, and I don't think he was ready for it. I was just like, Dude, you want to operate?
1: <laughs> I mean, like, it, it, he both wasn't ready and then was he fucking right ready in, yeah, as right shit. In. Like he, like he, I don't like he. He knew we're all like he, he. He. It took him like ten minutes. Yeah. To like work all the knobs and figure it out yeah. and and like get get right on it and yeah
0: and it, and it was fluid. And dude, his just bringing him on as the operator changed everything mm-hmm. because then i was able to focus completely on directorial duties mm-hmm. i made that made the set go faster it, it allowed me to start to see better performance to and be able to apply better performance tweaks to uh, lance um he lance's performance improved because i was there for him and uh i ended up reshooting entire sequences because he was there mm-hmm. um and was uh, still able to make the night um, so I wouldn't have been able to do that without Travis. And yeah. He's one of those guys that you instantly work with within 45 minutes. I then realize like, dude, you could be my operator. Like, he's so nice too. 100%. like
1: he's he's
0: like cool and nice, which is aw- like
1: good to have on set mm-hmm. which is so <laughs> important.
0: Yeah. So <clears throat> I over I over um, I overestimated how much I could do. I think was the big issue that I had with the shoot because I've been doing so much on Gina stuff, um, that I was like, you know, I can just shoot this. I can just do this whole ordeal. And then things start to add on. And so as you're planning this thing out, I'm like, Oh, we need like, we had, we shot with these amazing Atlas Orion series, uh, anamorphics, which I got from Atlas directly. Big shout out to Atlas lens. Um, beautiful lenses specifically chose them because they have an extreme uh, close focus range uh they have this amazing 21 millimeter which is beautiful and i can get a focus within like an inch of the lens so being cramped in such a small space i'm like this is imperative mm-hmm. to have um but while we were testing the gear me and mike tran were testing the gear at Boca. um I just was like looking at my close-ups, and I'm like, man, I wish that these were a little bit closer. And I have these moments as a director producer where I go, I don't want to make a big deal over this. Maybe it's not that important. Whatever, we'll just make it work with what we have. And then it just it's chipping away at me, and it's chipping away at me. And while we're in there checking out this gear, Tran is like, you should just ask them if they have magnifiers. And I'm like, Oh, the the Dioptics? Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. It's not that big a deal. He goes, you should. And I'm like, all right. And I asked them at Boca, and they were so fucking busy that day. Um, But the the, uh, staff there are so helpful. Uh, And they're like, yeah, we'll we'll check it out. We'll bring it out. Um, The other thing that we had to make an adjustment on, originally I thought I was just going to shoot this with uh, the Airy Mini. And uh, because... I knew that if we use the LF, like the large format full frame, that these lenses don't really spread to that without using a a magnifier. So I would have to use the 1x or 1.6x magnifier, which then cuts away about a stop and a half worth of light uh, in order to spread that on the larger chip. So I was like, I'll just use the mini. Uh, We were having trouble with the mini. This is something that I learned on the checkout day. Do you know that Arri charges you to use the de-squeeze feature? So when you shoot anamorphic, I don't know if you know how anamorphic works, do you? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we've we've gone we've right. gone we've, we've had little discussions on. So for those of you listening, if you're using anamorphic lenses, it's on the lens itself that does the anamorphic squeezing process. So it'll take this large uh, rectangular format and squeeze it down to fit on a 4x3 or like Uh, a 16 by 9 or 35 millimeter chip. And so then in post-production, you'll look at that footage and it's the squeezed footage that has fit into that aspect ratio that you then de-squeeze later. Mm -hmm. And so what you're trying to do is to get that squeezed lens that are built for 35 millimeter to now fit these large format chips which are the equivalent of medium format photography chips they're much bigger and so uh, they make these adapters that you can put on the back atlas makes them which is an extender which i think is what they call it or a magnifier which will then magnify i think it takes that image and puts it on glass on this magnifier which is then uh, projected onto the large format chip, which somehow makes it, enable it to cover that format. But you lose light. And so that was the calculation for me because I knew I was using a lot of practical units like desk lamps and that kind of stuff. All extenders do that for, yes. for whatever. Yeah, It's just because
1: you're adding. It's because it's longer. You're yeah, you're, you're adding just,
0: adding just adding more, more space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that was a that was thing. And then when you put on the magnifier on the front of it as well, you're also losing some light stuff mm-hmm. as well. So trying to keep all those calculations in mind. So initially, I was going to use the standard mini, but in the mini, there's a de-squeeze feature so that when you're previewing the stuff, you can actually see the format that it is. You have to pay monthly to enable that D squeeze feature to be enabled on these cameras. It's kind of a dog shit move. I mean, I'm giving a very epic eye roll Yeah, It's, right it's kind of a dog shit move. So we were dealing with... We uh, still love you, Ari, but yeah, But, but fuck, but but fuck, but fuck, fuck that's kind of yeah. shitty. So we were dealing with uh, the guys over at Boca, um, and they we were sub-renting out a camera to us, and uh, that camera didn't have the de-squeeze feature on it which became this whole thing and what i love about the Boca dudes is they're like let's just upgrade you we'll upgrade you to the uh the lf so we'll give you an lf Mm. and i was like okay now the cool thing about the (laughs) lf is that it's a lot more susceptible in low light which will then help with the fact that i'm now going to have to put on the magnifier and the the extender i think is what they call it to be able to fit the large chip in that lf so i'm losing some light stops but what we gain with the LF is so, it's such a better camera than the original Mini. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a lot of fun dealing with the Boca Dudes because instantly they were like, we'll make this work. We'll figure this stuff out. And uh, they brought in the, magnifi- the magnification diopters and they're beautiful. I was able to put those on like the 50 millimeter or the 85 millimeter and get so intimate. With Lance's performances, um, I loved them. It also gave you like much closer and better detail shots. Yes, like, for the details. Yeah.
1: Yes, especially with the sh- tight space that we were
0: working in. Speaking of the space, I'm not going to say where the space was, but we faced a couple of interesting dilemmas <laughs> with the space that we were shooting in. Yeah, one was that uh, we had to make it. <laughs> Like I was saying before, I'm not the director that you call to do basic stuff. Like if you just have a a couple of shots in an apartment, I'm going to make it more interesting. I'm going to fuck it up. I'm going to make it more interesting every time. I'm going to be like, how about we bring in atmosphere? How about we bring in a hazer? How about we bring in a snow machine? How about we bring in all these different weird light units? How about we go get all these vintage props crates and crates of vintage (laughs) props that we're going to swap all this stuff out with to make it feel timeless let's do that too you guys seen 12 cam you know what i'm talking about and so that's what we did we went um to prop house out here and grabbed all this really great vintage sort of soldering equipment vintage radios we have vintage tvs Um, and, uh, Ian, you were in charge of set dressing as well as logistics. I was like, yeah, sure. On this. (laughs) And so. It
1: was fun. It was fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So explain the process. I mean,
1: okay. So again, not disclosing the, uh, the location that we were in, uh, basically we were using a space that already had personal items Mm -hmm. in it a lot of personal items mm-hmm. <laughs> an excessive amount of personal items in Can a in a very in a very practical and uh practical sense but uh anyways all of that stuff had to be removed um for yes. the purposes i mean not i mean not all of it but like the Most mid- of it. a lot of it yeah. a lot of it had to be removed for the purposes of set dressing and um it all had to be meticulously placed back <laughs> so that the where, person did know <laughs> where it had been put before uh, and and when i say excessive amounts i mean there was not a lot of it it, it just wasn't as you like you had to come up with a a system to put the stuff back a lot well, of a lot of
0: photos a lot of yeah well, let me explain yeah yeah. in this location it's not like you went into like somebody's house and let's say they had yeah. bookshelves of like really well-placed books or really well-placed items it's a spot that is used for storage let's mm. say that mm-hmm. so yeah there are just stacks of like i don't want to say junk but there are stacks of like trash and tools
1: junk, and all sorts stuff, of stuff that Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of stuff. And so you meticulously, it was like a crime scene photography. Not meticulously enough. I, I, I thought I was being meticulous. And then when we were putting it back, I was like, I was like, I need to, I should have taken 20 or 30 more photos. (laughs) It was like serial killer
0: shit where we go through. I am
1: not a serial killer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Photograph all this stuff. Like, where were these screws? Where was this pile of dirt? Where was, where was this random piece of rug? Yeah. (laughs) And then you took them all out. And I remember I said to you, we cannot fuck this up. So like, this cannot be fucked up. It cannot be fucked up. Do whatever you gotta do. It
1: was, it was, (laughs) it was put, it was put back in a very respectful way. There may be, I would say three to four
0: rogue items yeah. that may be found new homes. <laughs> but... well, because after we did two full days of shooting and you and I were like the last two at the end of it. And the sun's coming up, and we both look at each other, and you're like, "I'm going to send you the photos that I took." And then we just have <laughs> your, your response to me is
1: like for shits and giggles. I was like, "No, so, so you can be doing one section while I'm doing the other."
0: And so you have piles of this stuff, and we're just like going through photographs, going like, "Where does Zooming the freeze bottle go?" What direction
1: was it pointed in you were you yeah you were you were more meticulous on the directions that they were pointing in I was just trying to make sure that stuff was going back on on the same general area yeah that it was in
0: yeah so we reassembled this space and I think it's it is funny because it's weird you go in there and it feels like the space that it was but just slightly weird because like everything slightly moved a little bit. I think it also,
1: too, I think part of that might have been because we spent two days in it where it was completely like you don't spend a lot of time in that space normally because it's not yours uh yours being the general you uh of of the world um and uh and so when we first went in to reset it it was one way and then we set dressed it and spent two days in it completely set dressed and then had to reassemble it to how it was before so i mean i think that might have been the disorder because i agree like when we went in at the very end to be like is everything the way it should have been it felt different it felt different i feel like it was mostly just because i'm
0: curious to see what what the owner of the space says.
1: I'm sure that he won't even know that anything was done, except maybe the floor being more vacuumed and cleaner than it was. Shout out Dyson, the best vacuum in the world.
0: <laughs> I have a feeling like he's gonna go in there and go like, "What is going on?" Is I this can like breathe in here. Is this like an alternate dimension? Like, did I actually put this toothbrush this way? Like, I don't know. Maybe not. But it's weird. It's one of these things that you don't think about. When you're putting together a film, where you're like, there, there's always these, these little logistical nightmares that approach uh, that broach themselves that could fuck everything up, and so you have to, you find yourself like, you find yourself wet dry vacking fucking snow particles out of fucking like flower beds the next day in order to save, you know, instead of sleeping. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Instead of getting rest before
1: your second day of directing, I was outside
0: vacuuming the drive. I was
1: so pissed when I found out that you had not slept.
0: Yeah, so, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's it's. It was fun to do. I really had fun to prepping it, and I really had fun planning this thing out, and I had a lot of fun working with Lance and developing such a basic idea and trying to add emotional context to the character that was a lot of fun there hit a point on our shoot where i was feeling the anxiety like the the morning of day two i was in like super anxiety mode um and i I had forgot what that felt like it had been so long um and thankfully for you and gina gina really fucking stepped up Um, she always does yeah she did because i she was like you need to go to bed because i hadn't really slept and she's like, you need to at least get two hours worth of sleep. And so I went to sleep and you guys figured everything out. Mm-hmm. I woke up and you guys had solved a lot of problems. Which was great. That's what we do. Which was great. <laughs> it's great. It's like
1: we've got extra people coming in. We definitely were drinking while we were doing
0: <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Gotta have those steady hands. <laughs> yeah, you guys will know what that means soon. Huh. Huh. Um, but uh, yeah, it was wild. It was wild. was wild let's take a minute here and i want to do uh the ad reads for the show but before you decide that you're going to skip them uh i'm also going to talk about how i use this stuff on the shoot and what we used and whether or not i think it's worth being used um so first up uh, i want to give a big shout out on today's show to boca rentals they are our new sponsor on the show uh, they supplied all of my camera gear, sans the lenses, all of my camera gear for the shoot. Uh, we shot this, like I said, on an Airy Mini LF, which I really enjoy that camera. Uh, they also gave us the uh, slider, they gave us um, uh, the wireless remote unit, so we were able to focus remotely uh, all of our lenses. Um, and they're incredibly supportive. I'm excited to have them as a sponsor of the show because we're going to do a lot of team-ups. They like to support filmmakers. I know the people that own this company. We're going to have them on the show. I understand what their motivations are, how they got into this business, and they really, really, really care about the people that use their cameras and the stories that they tell. They supported and sponsored all the gear for my short Um, And we're hopefully going to be able to put together some contests and some giveaways, some events. These guys are going to be with us for a while. I'm excited to team up with them. Great company out here in Los Angeles. If you are looking for a place to rent your gear, looking for a place that has a stockpile of the coolest lenses you can get your hands on. I'm talking about those like really soft, beautiful, vintage looking lenses or the super crisp and clean uh, Master Primes. Uh, they have an ass load of anamorphics that are gorgeous Um, this is the stuff that is being used to shoot major television shows on Netflix this is the stuff that's being used to shoot major films Um, I went in to get a set of lenses recently and they just got pulled out on a big feature film that's happening so Boca is the place and they are huge presence on Instagram I think that's initially how I found them they do such a great job with their Instagram account um, where they will actually post not only the lenses and the gear, but they'll show uh, footage that has been shot with it. So as you're planning your shootout as a young shooter, or a young cinematographer, and you're trying to get an idea of what those lenses look like, they will have examples on their Instagram page at Boca Rentals or Boca.rentals. So let's say that again at Boca dot rentals. Um, but just go to their main website in general, which is, Boca, so that's b-o-k-e-h <laughs> rentals.com um and check out all their stuff there like i said they're a huge new sponsor for us here on the show um and we're going to be putting together contests and giveaways and team ups all sorts of rad stuff as we progress love these guys thank you so much dudes for hooking us up with the lf it changed the way this movie looked thank you so much for hooking me up with the magnification, so the diopters changed the performance, the way we're going to pre- perceive the performance, and the way that I shot the stuff. And my notion was correct; my fears were right. I needed the slider. You saw the shots. What do you think?
1: <clears throat> I think that without the slider, you would have, you would not have attained the same level of, like natural kind of movements yeah that you wanted and that looked so natural and cool and cinematic in cinematic on on the side i mean and the the range that it was able to to move within the space was yeah it was it, so, it's essential it was absolutely essential i think it was just a four foot i think it was a four foot slider it, yeah
0: yeah it was mm-hmm. and, and just having that four feet which i think is like three feet of movement by the time you're done with the calculation of how wide the base of it is um it's uh, it changes everything, and for those of you who don't really, I think the the initial consensus when you're using like a dolly or a slider when you're younger is that you th- just think that you can move uh, parallel with it uh, with a person. So, like if someone's walking down a hallway, you want to have a dolly track or a slider to sort mm-hmm. of walk with them, right? Or maybe you have someone seated in front of you, and you just put a slider. On sort of like a horizontal axis and you just go from side to side what I like to use sliders for is I'll use it more at an angle so let's say that I'm doing a close-up of someone I will throw the slider not directly into their face I will bring the camera closer to them run the slider at an angle past like the right-hand side shoulder so then I will start with the camera Mm -hmm. um, not tilted but panned to their cheek and as I pull it down that slider, I will pan the camera at the same time, keeping their face dead center. And it's such a really cool sort of uh, uh, internal monolog vibed look movement. So, like, if I'm trying to get, show that someone's pondering something or working really hard, a movement like that sort of gives you the illusion that they're thinking very hard about what they're doing and that they're concentrating very hard it's just that specific move because of the language of cinema makes you think that subconsciously
1: it changes the connection with yes the person and with the space
0: yes yes so. yeah and then if you're doing like subtle movements like that and you're you're fucking with the parallax so if you're if you're moving the camera slightly to actually reveal more behind them that's interesting there are moments where I'm using the camera movement to reveal what will then be a sound cue behind them. So uh, having that movement really adds to the suspense. Now, I could do that on a tripod and just do that with two different shots, like do the cut, but there's something in horror that really works with staying on a longer shot and staying in that space and starting to feel the rhythm of what's happening in that world and then breaking that rhythm, whether it's with a jump scare or with some other creepy stuff.
1: Well, it's like you're moving with, with the camera. Yeah. Like you're not just stationary. And I think, I mean... In all productions, I feel like some people get comfortable with just keeping it uh, stationary. Sure. You know, and they do the cuts. Sure. Moving with the camera, moving with the action is, it's different.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then um, we were shooting, I mentioned this before, uh, we were shooting through some really beautiful glass. Uh, We were working with uh, Atlas. If you guys um, don't know who Atlas is and their lenses, head on over to atlaslensco.com. We were shooting with the Orion series. Um, I love these lenses. They're really great. Um, I like the close focus feature that they have. I like working with the anamorphic format because of the staging and the blocking that I'm able to do. Uh, I can be on a close-up of somebody, and with a lens like these... What I can rack focus from their focus at the end of their nose, sitting like two or three inches from the camera, all the way back to a shelf or wall that is feet away from them. There's something really nice about that. Um, uh, the, the flaring on these lenses isn't as intense as a lot of older lenses that I've used in the past, so we had to like really push some units in them pretty hard to get some <coughs> flare but uh, that was really the only negative, I think. Besides that, um, I just love the way that they shape the space. We do some really fun effects with the lenses for this sort of like dreamy sequence where we're just rack focusing them pretty hard, which ends up sort of warping the face and the structure, the bone structure of our lead actor for the sequence. A lot of fun stuff with these lenses. Um, I love them, man. And I... Big shout out to my buddy, fellow director, comedian Rick Darge, for uh, taking me uh, over to Atlas a few weeks ago. Uh, They have a new series of lenses that everybody's talking about right now, Um, and I think it's the Mercury series. I just want to make sure that I have the right ones. Yeah, it's these new Mercury lenses that we got to try out. Everybody's excited about them. They've been pre-ordered, and we went there to try those, and... They had just an Orion on the camera, and I was like, wait a minute. And they had the 21 millimeter, which I fucking really liked. That was that wide. That was the widest one mm-hmm. we had. We had a 21. We had an 80. We had a 50. There were four. There and a 32. Yep. The 32 is really nice as well. Um, and then with the extender on those, with the magnifier on those, it was really nice. Um, great lens set. Uh, definitely go check them out right now. Atlas Lens Co., and start to drool on these. And if you can't purchase them, if you're someone that can't afford to buy these lenses on your own, remember a place like Boca, because they will have lenses like this for rental, so that you can try them out and test them out on your own as well. Um, Awesome stuff, man. Like really great companies to be involved with. And I try to introduce you guys to the stuff that makes my work look the way it does. That podcast I did this morning, they were asking me about 12KM. And it's so funny to me how people get so locked in the technical stuff. And one of the hosts was like, uh, what camera did you use to shoot 12 cam? And I go, what, what difference does it make? And he goes, <laughs> he goes uh, can I can I guess? And I go, sure. And he goes, it looks like you shot that with like a red camera. I, go, I was just about to say it was a red camera, wasn't it? And I was like, no, it's not a red camera. It's not. It's not. And uh, I said, it doesn't matter what fucking brains are on the back of it. It's the glass you're shooting through. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so we actually shot that with these old uh, uh, Koa lenses, I think, and what they were. Um, And uh, uh, Kruda had them. So he had these old Russian anamorphics. And so that's what gave that that movie that look. Now, the brains on the back do different things. I think there's a big difference between airy and red. It seems that red stuff is more scientific, is the way that I would describe it. The focuses are a bit harsher. The color profile just feels a little bit harsher. Um, so it feels like you're doing a, a little bit more work in post-production to sort of soften that stuff. But I've seen beautiful stuff shot with red, you mm-hmm. know, like Fincher's TV shows and like uh, Zack Snyder's stuff. and It's beautiful. Uh, I like the, uh, the airy stuff because it has this softening sort of creamy thing that's really nice for for your actors and shit, and that it just feels more like 35 to me. It feels more like cinema to me. I mean, you probably have to pay a fucking monthly fee to have that thing all the time based upon <laughs> what they're doing. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. They know what they got. But truth be told, i am you're not going to see me buying any of those cameras. I'm always going to rent a, a camera. I'm always going to rent a rig. Um, if I'm going to own a camera, if I'm going to have something... Here, I'm going to have something that's a bit more affordable and a bit more, like, multi... multi there's a, a better multi-use for it. Like, I prefer to have my video cameras also really good still cameras. That's mm-hmm. a big reason why we're in with Fujifilm, right? Our other sponsor on the show. Love Fuji. Yeah, because you've been using the Fujifilm stuff with Gina, right? Mm-hmm. You yeah. guys were using the GFX100, right? And yeah the, yeah, the
1: medium format.
0: Yeah, how do you like it?
1: Ah. <sighs> I love that camera.
0: Well, why do you love that camera?
1: <sighs> it's so dynamic. It's, it's, I don't know. I, and I think Gina, Gina agrees with me on this where uh, we were talking about this. Cause we were like, we were trying to shoot some behind the scenes stuff uh, for the other two days, but. There's just too much going on. Yeah. Uh, And we were talking about how, you know, you spend all this time learning camera settings and how to shoot stuff professionally and, you know, in manuals so that it looks a certain way. And uh, that camera just does it all for you. Mm -hmm. Like that, (laughs) that camera just makes it so that you can shoot amazing stuff. And I don't want to say that your talent or expertise doesn't matter, but yeah. It definitely helps. Yeah. It well, definitely
0: helps. Well, the advancements that they have on all their rigs, their auto, their, like their autofocus stuff is pretty insane. Right. The, yeah, the, the recognition and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, the facial recognition is really insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just like the dynamic range on them is beautiful.
1: Also being able to like switch between different like customizable LUTs and, and things like that to give you the feel in yes. camera yes. that you're looking for. Yes. Is yeah. it, it's not... Because it's not ba- it's not baked in, right? Like it's just,
0: so they have is not, that, they, that they, 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 I was getting shit from Michael over at Fujifilm where he's like, they're not called LUTs; they're like called ah, like looks or something. Look, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but in t- in, inside the camera, you can actually set they're, they're LUTs they're, they're color profiles. Yeah,
1: color profiles where
0: you can uh, do like black and white. They have really great black and white stuff. They have like their Fuji their Fuji uh, film stock look. You would think I would have them printed out here, and I don't. Um, but uh, no. So if you're shooting raw, it's not baking that information to it. So you cannot turn that information on off. or off. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're shooting JPEG, it is. I think if you're doing JPEG, it's baking. Which we don't do. It. Yeah, but sometimes you can. That's true. Sometimes you can. Um, we love the dudes over at Fujifilm. We just had beers with Mike the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just talking to Kruda about uh, Victor the other day. Him and, and Kruda were hanging out in New York. Victor is the shit. We're still doing our Fuji Film Creator Series. I've got a bunch of interviews uh, coming out with that where we're talking to all of the, the filmmakers that they're supporting right now. Um, I love that company, not only because they make great gear that we're using right now, but they support us as fucking filmmakers. And this is a company that uh, wants to talk to creators, wants to help folks out. Um, and the filmmakers that they have been sponsoring, uh, they're doing amazing work. Well,
1: they yeah. want to meet you. They want to know you. Yes. Like they came out and. It's because it's Victor. It's
0: Victor there. Yeah. It's him. It's how he runs it, it's how he runs all the advertising and everything. He's That's really so great. Fucking cool. Yeah. He's a good dude. Uh, and Mike, those guys are really great guys. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to have them on the show. And I know there are so many of you right now because I have noticed. I have seen all the extra credit done for the contest to win the camera from Fujifilm. Yes, we are giving away a free X-H2S camera with zoom lens. With a zoom lens, I think it's like a... 80 to 100 or something don't quote me on that it, but yeah it was like 20 i thought yeah it was, this was like, like a 20 to 100 yeah 20 to 100 something, something like that. that i don't know it's it's in here we're giving away the camera with a zoom lens if you want to enter the contest go to my instagram account at mike i pinned the post that tells you the rules all you have to do is post in the comments um that you want the camera why you want the camera uh give me reasons as to why you should be the one that has this camera. What are you going to use it for? Are you going to make a movie? Because you can shoot amazing films with this camera. The video features on it are phenomenal. Um, and if you want, go get yourself, if you have this rig, go get yourself one of the um, PL mount adapters. I think uh, wooden camera makes them. And then you could put the Atlas lenses on this camera that yeah. we used uh, for the shoot that I just did. Um, it's a great rig. Go to my Instagram account. Check it out. And you can enter the contest. Now, I have been saying that there are great ways to get extra credit. There's a handful of you that have been doing this. Ian's just stewing here because he can't win this camera.
1: I would never. Yeah. I would never. <laughs> I can't give it I, to I, you. I, I don't want it to be given. I want it to. Everything must be earned.
0: I can't give it to you. Even if you did earn it, everybody would call bullshit I on know.
1: That. Nepotism is a real thing.
0: Yeah, you can't get it. beat. I don't want it. So, I don't want it but I don't want it <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to earn some new extra credit this week here's let me give you some insider scoop on what's going on Bear Republic the beer company that is sponsoring the show they're trying to decide right now as to whether or not they're gonna come back next year because um, you guys haven't been showing them enough love so here's what I suggest if you are, Of legal age to drink beer. 21. 21. Is that what it is now? It's 21? As if I don't know. I don't know. If you're legal age to drink beer, I want you now to go to Bear Republic's Instagram account. So that's Bear Republic on Instagram. Or you can head to their website. And I just got to... It got really dark in here. Hold on. Go to their website. And for your next round of beers, if you're in the state of California... Because I know it works here in California. I think it works in some other states too. For your next round of beers, for this weekend's round of beers, go to bearrepublic.com and order your beers for this weekend. They will ship them to you. And they have fantastic uh, small batch beers. If you go there right now and use the discount code PROCESS15, that is PROCESS15, you'll get 15% off. The entire online store collection. So both their beer and merch. You see me wearing my Bear Republic hat. I love my hat, actually.
1: Just do it. Their their beer is so fucking good. Their beer is, their really, beer good. is really
0: good. Extra credit if you do that and write on their Instagram page that you want them to come back, come back and be a sponsor on, in love with the process. I'm telling you that will put you in the top fucking tier to win this camera because you're going to be rescuing the show. You'll be getting our sponsor back. (coughs) Order a beer, do that. If you do order a beer from them, I will practically hand the camera to you. If you take a photo of the beer that you ordered and tag me and Bear Republic and say that you got it because you listened to this show. This is for people that are of drinking age. Now, I'm not saying that the camera's only going to go to someone that is 21 years old. I'm just saying the chances are pretty you just fucking got a solid. Better, you just got a better shot. Yeah. Did you hear that in the background? Oh, shit. Yeah, it's raining Listen. hard now. This is California, dude. I love it. I love the rain. It's so cool. It's like Jurassic Park out there. Mm-hmm. So that is the tip this week. I am going to be announcing the winner of the Fujifilm contest at the end of the month. We're going to record it. We'll announce it. As I said before, if we happen to give it to somebody, if a winner ends up being here in Los Angeles and you're cool and you're not some sort of creep that wants to put lotion on my skin, I will hand you the camera in person. We will meet up at a bar somewhere and have a beer and you can can thank me. In person With a beer. Yeah, maybe you'll buy me a beer. Maybe you'll buy me a Bear Republic. We'll see. Um, All right, so speeding through the rest of our stuff, also supporting the show. As I get into the next stage, it's fucking pouring out there. As I get into the next stage of the filmmaking process on this short, I am about to go into post-production, and I'm excited because I'm going to be cranking this 4K footage through my new Puget system. If you haven't seen so already, I was just talking to my buddy Jonathan, and he was like, what are the specs on the new computer that you're using? And I was like, it's on my Instagram account. I did a post. You'll see it. Um, If you want a smoking fast new edit system, there are a lot of you listeners out there, you want the same one I want, head to PugetSystems.com or write to them at PugetSystems on Instagram and say, hey, I want to buy the same system that you guys have for Mike because it's smoking fucking fast. It's really great. I think it's the best edit system I've had to date, um, and I'm definitely putting it to its tests right now. Uh, with Gina's project, I think I talked about it on a prior episode, I have like 35 fucking tracks of video, 4K video with effects and color that I'm playing in real time at fucking full res on my playback. So it is the shit. Head to PugetSystems.com and check it out now. And while you're editing, if as you go through this process, and you're like, I need to find music for my... My piece, and I want to have licensed free music, so that way I can put it onto YouTube. I can put it into film festivals without running into a, tr- a problem. Head on over to our other sponsor's site, Jambox, Jambox.io. That is the place to go for great music to use in all your productions. And there, I have I've used their tracks for everything that we've done recently. The th- recent Boohoo Man stuff. Mm-hmm. use those tracks for all the GQ stuff. I play their songs here on the show. The Bose thing. The Bose thing, right? We did it for the Bose stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um, It is the place that I go to find my music for clients that don't have enough money to hire a composer. It's really what it comes down to. Uh, I may be using some cues for the new film, but uh, I'm talking, I'm in negotiations with one of my favorite musicians to score this new movie. Yes. So I'm fucking pumped. So pumped. I don't want to announce it until it's done, but I'm very excited with who I have coming in to score this new movie. Um, But uh, here's a shout out to all of you other podcasters out there that are always saying to me, Mike, your music is amazing on the show. How do you find great music? Well... We're friends with a lot of really good musicians that donate their music to us, but if you don't have that kind of access, sign up for an account at Jambox and download phenomenal music that you can use on your podcast. They have great subscription plans available if you're just a creator, and I don't mean just a creator, but if all you need is a, is a creator plan, meaning you're gonna use this music for your YouTube channels, you're gonna use this music uh, for your podcasts, it's $9.99 a month for the 30-day free trial. It's nothing. That's nothing. That's $119 a year. You guys pay you you probably pay more for your Amazon account than you would for this. <laughs> uh, if you're someone that is creating content that you have paying clients, you're doing commercials, you're doing all that kind of stuff, $19.99 a month gives you access to all those songs license free for your commercials, plus you get access to the stems for the music. So you can dissect these songs down to, like, just the bass beat, the drum beat, and then you can recut those songs to work for your stuff. So if you go look at all the edits that I've done, I pull them apart stems-wise, and I start to rebuild these tracks. Sometimes I'll take stems from one song and another song and build a whole new song with the stems mm. to make it my own. That's 19 a month. And if you're a student, if you're learning, that's my little Bill Burr right we're, there. we're all students. Uh, $6 a month. Get your access to everything from the unlimited commercial plan as long as you're using it for student projects, film festivals, web streaming, and social channels. Head to jambox.io now, and that'll do that. Uh, and a big shout out to our friends over at Indie Pro Tools, the place to go if you're looking for power solutions for your camera products. Uh, I just did a contest with them last month. We're going to do another contest in december where we're going to give away uh a couple of kits from Indie pro tools as well to listeners on the show so check them out indieprotools.com. all right that's it all right Ian, we're back sick we're back we're back in hold on let me see let me do a sound cue here to get us out let's do a sound cue Ooh, it's a little intense this is a, we'll give you guys a little music I feel like you and I are driving along in like a pixelated Ferrari right now Mm -hmm. on a highway that just keeps coming at us. Like we're gonna throw down like an oil slick, to spin out the cars behind us. Like checking the checking the rearview mirrors.
1: <laughs> All right, we're back. Mm. That was a that was a great little. <laughs> it's so sloppy joyride.
0: It's so sloppy. <laughs> um. So let's see where are we at right now. Hold on, let me look here. Are we doing okay? Um. Fucking rain is changing everything. So let's get back into what I was talking about with the movie thing. As we progress through the back end of this little project, I will continue to do updates. I'm going to get Lance on the show. We'll talk about the director's prep and the director's prep and the actor's prep that we did for the show. It's a lot of fascinating things that I learned working with him uh, doing this project. And I'm in this mode right now where we literally just fucking wrapped. It was exhaustive. It was exhausting, and so my brain is still fucking fried. I haven't even looked at the footage. I don't want to look at the footage. I was gonna say good, good. Like take, take a beat. Yeah, I don't even want to look at it. Um, but uh, it was fun and needed to do a shoot. It was really fun and needed. And how was the process for you? What was this experience like? This is the first time. This is the first time you've done a movie with me, right? This
1: is the first time you and I have worked on something that was like personal for you. Yeah. yeah. What was it like?
0: Uh, uh, I mean,
1: it was was great. I mean, watching you work is, I mean, like, inspiring, but at the same time, like, (sighs) watching Gina work, watching you work, and then knowing how I work on my own projects, like, there's just this level of neuroses and, like, (laughs) almost manic behavior when you when you get to the grind and and like you you start to see mm. how who people truly are and like how they really work and then you were doing these these like these like little ticks these little like like Was physical, I? yeah you were like you were chewing on your uh, on your on your hoodie uh, oh, uh, the drawstring. the drawstrings drawstrings yeah. I've never seen you do that and and that's that's <laughs> so specifically uh, like I'm in my yeah. creative mode yeah. thing yeah it's true. Uh, it's like a comfort comfort hazard uh and and yeah so um first time working together in that capacity and i mean you you know you did a lot of the work on this like ahead of time mm-hmm. during you're going to be doing a lot in the post you know i i just kind of came in to fill in the gaps
0: you did a good job i dude. feel like
1: thank you. you did a great job um, You know, so I, I look forward to a future where you can relinquish some of that. Mm -hmm. And again, like, you know, same thing with when, uh, Travis came in and we had extra hands on set and you were able to solely direct, uh, I think that with you being able to relinquish some of the, of the responsibility is just going to give you the freedom to work more. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that it's definitely an interesting, hard lesson. Um, And it was a lesson that when I was back at home, I really sort of had come into because I had this team of people around me that I had been working with for like, you know, 15 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so when we moved out here, it was a whole new game. And you now being out here with us is great because there's a sense of comfort and you're so hyper-focused on learning this system and learning this business. And you do such a really good job doing the, the organization and the production stuff. But I also think you're a great artist in general. Thank and you. I know that this is like a thing for you, where you're trying to make sure that you're not losing the ability to do your art. And honestly, I don't think so at all, dude. Like, it it takes so long for art projects to manifest. Mm-hmm. It takes so long for you to experience something that you feel like you need to voice in such a way and the one thing I think that I've learned over the past two and a half years trying to pitch and get these movies going is that I've got lost in not doing the task. It's easy. It's, it's very easy. It's so easy.
1: Yeah. Like, and and there's this, and ju- like I just said, the with the amount of energy and emotion that goes into making something that you really care about. It's almost like you were just gearing up for something really, really great. Yeah. But you should. But we should all still try to make as much work, yes, as we can, and and keep flexing
0: those muscles. Well, I mean, because dude, like, there hit a point with this last shoot that we did with Gina, right? Where in the past I've sort of distanced myself to a certain extent. So whenever I would work with Gina on stuff, I'd go, "Hey, I'll light for you." Mm-hmm. Right. Which takes a little bit of the, the, the edge off because she knows her and I have the couple sort of communication where mm-hmm. I sort of can read her mind on multiple things. So I, I, I intuitively know what she likes for lighting. So then she doesn't have to sort of translate that to somebody else. But as we went to this new piece where she was going to be using camera gear and stuff that she wasn't familiar with. And I could try to teach her how to use that camera gear, mm-hmm. but she had so much on her plate, and so I just said, like, "Let me just be the cinematographer. I'll shoot it. I'll shoot these things for you." Um, I wasn't working on my own project, but I was doing work for somebody else, and because of that, I was like, not just learning things again, but also like the fire was ignited in such a way where I went, like, oh, you know, if I was going to do this, I would do this, and so then that started to sort of pull these ideas out of me and then uh got me if anything just working with the equipment like uh, one of our soon to be sponsors on the show is the aperture light guys and so i was able to use a lot of this new gear that i hadn't had my hands on on gina shoot and as i was shooting with it like their spotlight and everything else was really like, cool gear really like, fucking really cool stuff fun. cool gear <laughs> and so then i was like oh man it would be rad if we can if i was doing a horror piece i would use this in a specific way and they Specifically, and this isn't an ad read for them, but they have this like um, iris that fits on the back of their spotlight, which is super cool. It's like it's essentially like a shutter for the spotlight so that you can open and close it down and it looks like a shutter. It's really satisfying. Um, and so we were using it on Gina's shoot, and I was just opening and closing it, and I was like, man, this is like a really cool fucking light cue. Um, and that sort of stuff sparked an entire idea
1: i was gonna say let me let me ask you this yeah was it just because this project kind of came up your project yes just kind of came up like pretty imi- like pretty quick yeah. was it working on that job and do like having more of a of a of a like front and center like you said normally you just want a light for her or something specific but you took kind of a more frontal position yeah in that cinematographer i mean you 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 yeah. you, you, you dp'd that yeah and was it after that that you're like, I got to fucking make my own
0: thing? I got like, to do it now. It was a combination, yeah. I mean, there was a sense of that, but it was also, and when I have Lance on the show, I'll talk with him on this, it was also just this conversation about being so excited about learning about these these working with actor techniques that I had really absorbed through Judith West, Weston's books. And, and so I'm like, man, I really want to fucking put these things to work. Um, So that was there. it was that, it was doing the lighting stuff because I knew Cruda wasn't going to be available. I knew that uh, I would have to shoot this on my own. And so after doing Gina's thing, I was like, oh yeah, I got this fucking thing. And then um, it was the combination of those main ingredients and then you know honestly just listening to to guests of the show and then getting new sponsors on the show and then sort of connecting the dots and saying like ah, oh, fuck i can do this so then you know full transparency i think this whole piece is going to cost me maybe maybe 1500 bucks i was gonna say like 1500 yeah, bucks maybe
1: i mean having that access to those resources yeah like, not, have it, right? not yeah. having to, like, kill yourself to get the professional gear and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, so it's going to cost me, like, 1500 bucks. So, at that point, why not do it? Mm-hmm. At that point, you're just like, okay, fuck it. Let's just do it. What's the worst that's going to happen? And it, it, I've already got the rewards from this. So, I have no idea how this thing's going to all cut together. I mean, I have an idea how it's going to cut going to be fucking sick. <laughs> but I, I, even if it fails... I've already got the rewards for fifteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've already got like the practice on set, the communication between me and Lance. I've got all that. So it was it was just a fucking no brainer. And if it does what it has done, which is just reawaken the beast in me to shoot more, um, then why the fuck not? Mm-hmm. So yeah, man. Like it was very healthy. I haven't talked to the therapist in a few months. Three. Almost a month, just because we've been so busy. I'm supposed to talk to her on Friday, and that's the conversation is going to be like I'm, I'm sort of on this high. And now it's going to crash, right? Because I'm only two days out, so there's the high of the shoot and the exhilaration and the anxiety, and now it's now it's going to crash, and so you want to sort of process what that crash process is. And now, once I start to load the footage and sync the footage and do that. Then I have to sort of confront the realities of what it is that I've captured. There's a lot of weak points in our production as far as like continuity is concerned. I'm going to get a a script supervisor on the show. This is a key position that I need to have when I do my pieces because there's so many pieces and elements. And most of the time, I don't give a fuck about continuity. It sort of hits a point where, like, if you're paying attention to whether or not the soda bottle's in the right position on the table, then I'm not doing my job It's Like, around. the whiskey bottle is right. full or half full. Or- but there's a, there's a lot of elements of continuity that are very important to me, or script supervisor which is like performance continuity and and emotional continuity, because we had to shoot things out of sequence based upon the realities of fucking production. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to lose the sound guy here, so let me shift these around. More importantly, we just wanted to get the fucking snow machine out of our lives. So we we ended up shooting things out of sequence so I can just get all the snow machine shots Mm -hmm. finished and out. Um, So, um, But that being said, I'll then be in post-production sort of examining all the realities of this, which would be intense. And then I know that I'll start to piece it together and I'll start to get a rush. What you're looking for is that initial rush where you do like a rough assemble and you find something and you go, "Ah, that's fucking cool. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what that is. And so then you're trying to chase that rush and keep that consistent. And then you'll crash again. Cause then you'll get bored of the footage as you're cutting it and you'll crash. And then someone will bring like the music will come in and then you come back up again and you get excited so, it's this game of like, it's almost like a balloon that is inflating and deflating when you do a project like this. And it's going to continue that way. I'm going to try to turn this around pretty quick, but it'll continue that way into the back end of this whole thing. So, I just catching my therapist up with that. Be like, okay, so here's what's going to happen. Um, Get therapy, boys. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good. And it, I, I'm trying to be real with you guys. I posted a picture yesterday, the day before, which was just my face of like exhaustion and everything. And that's what it's like. So everybody's like, what is it like to be a director? It's that.
1: <laughs> that wasn't even, that wasn't even as good of a representation no. as what I saw before I got into the car to do returns at 8am or at <laughs> 7 seven thirty 30am. There was a point at which we looked at each other and there was just nothing inside of either of us. Yeah. Like we didn't, we didn't hug, we didn't dap, we didn't high five or anything like that. We were just like, we need to just get the fuck, get the shit done. And so we can, Rest and heal and eat food. And
0: well, let's be specific. We shot overnight. So we started the first night around five mm-hmm. and then went till what?
1: 5 a.m. 5 a.m. Like we weren't done until 5 a.m. Yeah. Everyone else left at like two or three.
0: So then I came in, was super stressed out after the shoot. Mm-hmm. Gina was here and I was like, I don't think I got my shit. I don't think I shot what I was supposed to shoot. Um, I fucked this whole thing up, and now I'm bringing all these people back, and then I was concerned about what was going on with the location. And so, but I was also exhausted. So it took me about an hour and change to get into bed. And so I climbed into bed, and I think my body shut off for about an hour and a half, two hours. And then I woke up to anxiety again. And so then I was up for anxiety, and then I'm like, fuck! And I was working on the location and dealing with some of a bunch of shit, the location... And then uh, I found myself, my hand was shaking, Gina made me a meal, and my hand was shaking, very similar to to the story, my hand was shaking, and she just looks at me and she goes, I don't care, you just have to go to bed. Like, go to bed. Yeah. So I went in and I passed out hard for two hours, and then... We start, she was such a sweetheart when she came in and she woke me up and she goes, it's been time, it's time for you to get up." but I'm like, Grow-. I was telling
1: her to wake you up earlier. I was, I was like, I was like, I think he's had enough sleep. She's like, he
0: definitely needs more. I'm and I'm like, like okay. groggily coming out of my sleep. She goes, how'd you sleep? And I go, I slept good, you know? And then she just slowly, like, as the world comes into focus, she slowly starts to rattle off all of the problems that we're having to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there in the bed, and she's like, this is happening, and this is happening, and we're having trouble with this. And I'm just like, okay, all right, all right. And that's the director. We're like, you have to process this stress that's coming at you. And I'm like, I'm going to take a shower. <laughs> so I went in, and I took a shower. And then I came out, and she's like, okay, what do you think? And I go, all right, let's just... Check off each one of these issues, bup, 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 and then you get into the mode. So then we shot. That was probably what three or something
1: in the afternoon. That, oh yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You you slept till like four thirty. Okay, so then. 4.30 p.m.
0: Then we started shooting around six, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And then we went full throttle. The anxiety started to kick in with me. I'd say around two a.m. Mm-hmm. Where I was still looking at my shot list. Yeah, and the there was just this hurdle on this list where I had like five or six shots that just didn't seem to go away. And I'm just like, we fucking, how do I get through these shots? And the, the problem is, is that, you know, especially the way I plan my stuff, if I don't get all the fucking shots, the story doesn't make sense. And so now I have this entire team of people that are fucking exhausted. And they're looking at me like, is this it? And I'm like, it's not it. And we're five away from it being it. And if we don't get those five fucking shots, then everything that we've done is for nothing. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be really fucking hard. That's the hardest thing to do as a director is to know. Because I can see the fucking future. I know what's being shot and how it's being cut. And people are looking at me and begging me. Like, can we be done? <laughs> their, like, their eyes, all their eyes were. <laughs> yeah, like Gina was asleep.
1: <laughs> she didn't fall asleep <laughs> till like five a.m. five five thirty a.m. She she tapped out in the last like scene.
0: Yeah, and you're the anxiety rolls through, and you're like, if I don't fucking get these, it's for nothing. And so then we did that hard, and I we shot until what like,
1: the sun was just peeking we 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 shot until the sun came up yeah we and which was like
0: what 5 a.m i think that was that
1: was interesting as well for me because i think everyone like like i i helped produce but i wouldn't say that i was the producer necessarily Mm -hmm. and so people because of how i've been working with you guys recently people kept looking to me for these answers (laughs) for like how many shots do we have left? What and I like I was keeping track of the shots, but like you were also adding a lot of stuff know, and like was... adding close-ups and I was like, and and what? the slate, the slate was off. So I was like, yeah, sure. I was like, we're sh-, and and I think you're I think you're uh you're like, we're gonna shoot until like I until I've got what I, I need. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. that's and I didn't and I knew at a certain point that we'd be going till the till the sun came up. Yeah. And they're like, what's our time frame? And I'm like we're going to shoot until it's over <laughs> Un- until it's done support like, people. That's, that's just the way that it, this is not a budgeted thing. Like no. this is a passion project. This is an art piece. Like y- you all know what the deal is with this, but, yeah. but I, you know, yeah. th- those are valid questions. And I was like, I don't have good answers. I don't have answers that you want to hear. Yeah,
0: dude. And and the crazy man that has the answers is the one that's going like, I'm I'm sorry, you know what I mean. It's like you look at, was poor Travis who had done an entire day's worth of work and then showed up and had no idea how long it was going to go.
1: No, Travis, Travis fucking killed it, and he was such a it. he was such a good sport about and,
0: the whole thing. And I kept looking at him, and he was just, and I go, dude, I am sorry. Like you can go, I will finish the rest yeah, 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 of this, and he didn't. He was like, no, 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 I'm sticking to the end. I said, you can leave. I will just do these shots. Well, what he said too was that, like, he, you know, he works on a lot of stuff
1: that, you know, isn't necessarily inspiring for him. And at one point, he told you, he was like, this is something that fulfills me, or this is something that makes me feel good about what I'm doing in this industry. Yeah. So that's,
0: but that makes me feel even worse. <laughs> but that
1: should make you feel better. I, it that's does, should, like, but,
0: but when you're there and you're looking at them and you're seeing people's like eyelids fall, and you're just like, and then what happens is, is that at the end of the day, you're like, all right, I, I got to get these inserts. I got to get this. It's so you're not giving yourself enough time to manicure them. Mm-hmm. And the thing that sucks is that, you know, at the end of the day, when someone watches the footage, they don't give a flying fuck about how long it took, about how tired people were. They don't give a shit about any of that. So they'll look at the footage and go like, oh, the fucking placement of that on the table is weird or, or this is strange. And I see it, too. I look in the monitor and I see it, too. But you know what else I see? I see how dead the people are around me. And I go, is it worth me taking 15, 20 minutes to fix that fucking thing? Mm-hmm. Or are we just going to shoot it? We're just going to fucking shoot it. Yeah. Um, and that, it's an important lesson for those of you who are doing your own little projects and your pieces. You have to, you're the only one with a vision. So you have to push through it and you have to be firm and you have to lead And sometimes as a leader, you have to tell people things that they don't want to hear. You have to really let them down with time and everything else. Because later on, and I've witnessed this, the crew will be the audience and they will be proud and they will wear this as a badge. As long as you're holding your vision, as long as you're being uh, responsible to the story and to what it is that you're doing, you can do those things. But also, like, and I'll say this on air, I'm taking you out. We're going out for a good meal because of all the work you did.
1: Did you all hear that? Yeah. Did you out. all
0: hear that? I don't know where we should He's go. Taking baby out for a day on the town. We should go to, we should go to um, Oh, that old school place down in Hollywood that has the steaks. There's a place down there that's really great off of, uh, I went there for my birthday this year.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I didn't go to that dinner. Yeah, that place would be great for sure.
0: Because I took you over to uh, smokehouse, <laughs> smokehouse.
1: <laughs> I and, and you didn't take me. You didn't take me anywhere. I I was like, I'm done. I'm not. I'm not like going out tonight. And all this stuff, <laughs> and then and then I'm getting into my car and like Gina and Mike, like, God love them. Like they're. Uh, they're both insistent but also respectful but in a very bullying way (laughs) where like i like it's (laughs) up to a point where i'm like they want to hang out with me like like they're they're like come out with us do this and i was like nah, i'm gonna go i get into my car after multiple attempts from the two of them to get me to come out Uh and i get a text from gina and and it just says we're still in the car like we haven't left, <laughs> or so, or something like that, and I just like roll my eyes and laugh, and I like throw my shit in the back. I lock my car and I get out and stop them, like as they're pulling out of the driveway. And I hop in the car. Yeah, you hop it, and uh, and then that whole experience was just we went to the smokehouse out of control,
0: which I've romanticized on the show. You know, I with the David James photographer episodes, I met him at the smokehouse. We did all this, and Gina hadn't been the smokehouse. It's like one of the oldest institutions in Hollywood. I'm like it's gonna be a fun time. It was. It was. It was fun. But it was. It was so it's chaotic. So chaotic and violent for you. <laughs> to, yes. To the point where the waitress. What did. What happened?
1: So first of all, we got there. It's fucking packed. the 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 hostess seating individuals whatever you want to call them they were like. It's gonna be forty-five minutes to an hour.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but we have these tables. They called them high tops. They were just normal tables. Like any table you see that has a number on it, is is first come first serve. Just grab it. And as we walk in, we're like, eh, like we could get a drink at the bar. We'll we'll hang out because they were gonna have live music. And as soon as we walk in, they are clearing a table with with a number on it. Yeah. And we're we're like this ha- like it, it they look like they're reserved yeah but but we we sat down and we, we like for the first five <laughs> minutes thought we were gonna get kicked kicked out. Kick, yeah. kicked yeah. out of the out of the table but so we sat down immediately so yeah. we're like this is meant to be yeah uh and so we sit down we order drinks we order appetizers <laughs> we're we're shooting the shit and the waitress comes over with Uh, our drinks. Uh, I think I ordered a Manhattan. I was like, I'm gonna be a fancy boy tonight. And And a bottle of wine and two wine glasses. (laughs) And I guess when she took, when she took my Manhattan off and placed it down, she either lost her balance or something like that. And the wine glasses and the wine bottle toppled over and fell. And so the one of the wine glasses shatters, (laughs) shatters all over me in my drink in my lap on the ground and we're like and, and
0: you but you didn't even want to be there
1: <laughs> right and and we're all like no 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 and she's freaking out i'm like it's totally fine it's not a big deal no one got hurt like and i'm like picking glass like out of my shirt like off the ground i'm helping her clean up and we're like okay what and you know and it fell in my drink we had to get a new drink it's fine and then within like maybe 5 10 minutes later i looked down at my my hand's bleeding. <laughs> I was like, I think I got cut. <laughs> I, think I, I think I got cut by this, this wine glass. And then, and then the next thing was that we all ordered, we all ordered. And I like, they had this promotion where you like uh, a slew of meals only costed like it was 19, their
0: birth- It was their 75th birthday. Or
1: 1970 something. something for, for these meals that normally cost like 30 bucks or something like that. Yeah. So it was cool. And I was like, I'm going to get, veal parmesan like i'm again fancy boy tonight and i i remember asking her i'm like so like And it said it had eggplant in it. So, I'm like, yo, does the the veal parm come with, like, is the eggplant chopped up? Like, what is it? Like, on a bed of pasta, all this stuff. She's like, oh, yeah. Like, it comes out, uh, like, just it's just in the sauce. (laughs) So, we all get our meals. Mike was the smartest. Mike got the pork chop, which looked fucking awesome. Let me just
0: stop you quickly and just go, when you go to a place called the fucking smokehouse, you go to any place that's like that... You go in and you look around, and you see the the, the table sort of cloths, and you see the vibe, and you just go, this is an old school, you know, prior to the 50s vibe, Mm -hmm. right? The kitchen really hasn't changed. So, what did they eat back then? Baked potatoes, steaks, shit off the grill. Like that's the stuff that you get, and like pasta, like but like
1: basic pasta dishes, like like fettuccine, linguine, like
0: yeah. But you're gonna get like you know the American fair, fair, and as far as pasta dishes go. The elevated equivalent of something that you'd get at the Olive Garden, potentially. I was
1: being adventurous. <laughs> I was, I was, yes. I was, I was, I was trying to think outside the bun on that uh, one.
0: I got the pork chops, and he that got was the. the shit. He
1: got the pork chop. He made a good decision. Gina got Frank's uh, Frank Sina- uh see, pasta Sinatra or something I like that. That was well,
0: well off the
1: uh, oh, well off the spectrum. Yeah, and then I got the veal parm, and so my food comes <laughs> out, and at first I think that it's just so there's no pasta. <laughs> no pasta. Uh, I got creamed spinach <laughs> as a side <laughs> with red sauce on the with red sauce on on the veal, and so it comes out with two patties that I'm like, oh shit, fuck yeah! Like were there's huge. two, were there's big. there's two fried veal patties. Even without pasta, I'm like, I'll I'll just eat two two veals. Yeah, it was one veal patty yeah. and then one fully fried piece of eggplant. Like it was basically veal parm and eggplant parm combined but not only was that not disclosed but i asked additionally (laughs) and mike's looking at me he's like is that eggplant
0: (laughs) which is triggering me because that is why i hate eggplant
1: you were sad for me
0: yeah because anytime i've had it even when i was a kid and i used to go to my grandmother's place and she would make breaded chicken breaded veal uh, and do like a parm thing Mm -hmm. And I remember, she did such a good job with him, and one day we go over, and I'm excited. I have this veal that's placed on my plate, and I cut into it, and I start to eat it, and it's just mushy, fucking eggplant. And stringy. And- it ruined eggplant for me. And so, seeing what you went through, because I looked at your plate, too, and they were, it was larger than... A hand. Aesthetically, it looked good. Massive, and I was like, "Wow, that's a lot of fucking." Aesthetically, veal. it looked good. And you were cutting through the first veal, and I go, "That looks good." Mm-hmm. And then the fucking eggplant, and it was just like, "No." So the way that we figured it out is that like I
1: wanted some of Gina's pasta for my egg <laughs> for my sorry for my veal parm, so I was like, "I will trade you." a a solid portion of, of veal parm for your pasta. Yeah. And so I cut her a piece from the bottom patty, (laughs) which was eggplant and I'm eating the veal. And then she bites into the eggplant. She's like, is this veal?" I'm like, yeah, it should be. She's like, this does not feel, and so I, so I look at him like, oh shit,
0: with That's, a bleeding
1: hand. Yeah, with my bleeding hand. Yeah, it it. But it was so much fun. There was a really cool uh, band. Yeah, the aesthetic and there, there's fun. The aesthetic. Then there was fun. We had a great night. It was overall a win.
0: Yeah, and this is the bar. If you guys have been reading, or if you guys have read Quentin Tarantino's uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the the, uh, the novel. This is the bar that uh, uh, Leo DiCaprio's character meets uh, Al Pacino's character in, which is different in the movie. Mm. So this is the bar for it. It's like this old institution. It's a really great place it's funny I, we were bullying you i don't i'm not afraid to say it we were bullying you to go because i thought you it would be a really great experience yeah. and then we got there and i was just laughing the whole time i'm like not only did we force you to come but just, it was it was only so fun you. it was only so fun and only as cool
1: because of all the chaos that ensued and i would not have had it any other way yeah,
0: we enjoy you buddy um the audience is like, we don't care what you yeah, guys we're, are we're like, fuck
1: you guys. You guys were talking about production stuff right before this. And now you're talking about this.
0: Where were we right before that? Yeah, it doesn't matter. This okay. is my show. I can do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think this episode has gone long enough. This is a long one. Um, stick around uh, as we release more episodes. I got a bunch more in the queue that are I'm going to edit and get lined up. I'll try to get a Thursday catch up episode out this week. Uh, Big shout out to all of my crew uh, who worked with us on this short. I'll get some of these guys on as well as I get Lance on. He wants to come on and talk about some stuff as well. And I'll keep you guys up to date. It's exciting stuff to be directing again. It's exciting to be creating again. And um, uh, I just want to uh, make you guys feel that same excitement. Hopefully inspire you to get off your fucking ass and and shoot something great. um, and Have some fun. Yeah, do some work. And uh, prepare yourselves as we push into November, as we push into the holidays. There's going to be more food episodes on the way. We're going to talk about food stuff. We're going to get nerdy about that. I haven't been doing much food talking lately because I've been on my cholesterol-free, not really cholesterol-free diet. Slash, you've been good. I've been, you've been okay. Yeah, you've been better. I've been doing all right because uh, my levels were pretty high. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to fall right the fuck off that wagon in the next few weeks, so um thanksgiving yeah be there while i die yeah it be great uh anyway that's it thanks for being on the show dude thank you of course always always happy to come on thank you for your help and uh i'm gonna finish this up and release this because it's late today Woo.